Our, our kids did fantastic. I need to do one thing, though. I don't. He's like upside down. I don't think. I'm all about parenting, doing your own thing, but I don't know that they're supposed to be placed upside down. At least they weren't when I had kids. My kids are almost seven now. But uh, So um, we often get questions. We're a new church. We've been meeting weekly for only two years. We often get questions about like what, what makes our church different. There's lots of different churches out there, and especially as a new church. like what, What's something that sets our church apart from any other church that you might visit. And one of the things that we say, and it actually is in our worship handouts, like one of the most important things that we want people to know about who we are and and what we're like, what the experience of the Grove Cottage Grove is like, is we say that we take following Jesus seriously and ourselves less so. So you can find, um, you can find a lot of churches that, that talk about really serious things, uh, really important things, but they often also do so in like a deathly serious way. Okay, that's one approach. And then there are other churches that just try to be really cool and fun. And when it comes to anything like complicated or serious, they don't want to touch those because they don't want to uh, inter- interfere or um, upset anybody. And so we try to hit that, that middle of the road where we are able to, in the midst of Advent, in the midst of this time of anticipating Christmas, we have been talking over the last three weeks about despair and violence and today yes joy but also sorrow uh, we, we take those things seriously those big topics seriously we want to bring them up so we can do something about them and at the same time we want to do so while uh talking about barbie <laughs> how many of you have seen the barbie movie okay maybe like half of you uh, I won't take the, the gender breakdown, but I would be interested to know that. So I, um, I was actually the Barbie movie. I did not, however, get to see it in theaters like millions of other people. The, the biggest movie of the year, I wasn't one of those people that got to see it uh, in the theaters. However, it came out on digital uh, over the last couple months, and then finally, just a couple weeks ago, I spent like $5.99 to watch it by myself one day. And, um, you know, part of it is we were already kind of in this Christmas season, and you're, when you're focused on something, you see it everywhere. You get a new car, and you see that new car everywhere. Everybody else has that, that new car, and so part of it may have been that. But as I was watching the Barbie movie, I had this epiphany, wait a second, Barbie's a Christmas movie. <laughs> or, or more accurately, Barbie is a movie about the incarnation the incarnation being this idea of uh, God coming down to be human and fully human and fully God at the same time. And I mentioned this to somebody, actually one of our other pastors at the Grove, and I said, Barbie's a Christmas movie. And she said, oh yeah, because of the consumerism? (laughs) Okay, that's... No, actually, it's... Let me explain it a little bit further. Okay, so what we have is this this perfect plastic person or this perfect plastic doll living in a perfect plastic world where everything is the best day after day after day. It is like explicitly designed for Barbie to thrive, right? 
But then, I don't think these are any spoilers, then she has this opportunity to enter the real world. There's, the, there's Barbie land, and then there's the real world. And the real world is not pristine and plastic and perfect. In many respects, it is built uh, not for her thriving and not for women's thriving. And so as the, as the movie goes on, she's actually given this option about whether she uh, is is wanting to stay in the human world, in the real world, or whether she's going to go back to that perfect thing where she is perfect and, and the world is perfect and everything is plastic and perfect for her. And uh, near the end, again, I'm hoping I'm not ruining anything, but um, if you're worried about it, plug your ears. Uh, Barbie gets the opportunity to meet and have a conversation with uh, the, the creator of Barbie, Ruth, her name, the last name is escaping me, Handler, Ruth Handler. And they have this conversation about the, the choice that Barbie is facing about whether to remain in the perfect plastic world or to become human with all of the mess that comes with being human. And this is how the conversation goes. Ruth says, you understand that humans only have one ending. Ideas live forever. Humans, not so much. Being a human can be pretty uncomfortable. Humans make things up like patriarchy and Barbie just to deal with how uncomfortable it is and then you die. <laughs> really rosy. Uh, but then Barbie responds in this way. Even given all of that laid out before her, here's the reality of what you would face if you were to become human. And Barbie says, I want to be part of the people that make meaning, not the thing that's made. I want to do the imagining. I don't want to be the idea. She embraces the messiness, all of the messiness that comes with being human because it's worth it, because the messiness is worth it. So uh, flashback 2,500 years ago, and the people of Israel and Judah found themselves in, in this event, this uh, decades-long, centuries-long event, which they would call the exile. The exile was this period in the history of uh, Judah and Israel where two different empires came in and they took over, they forcibly removed them from their land, uh, moved them out to other places, destroyed the wall that was surrounding Jerusalem, this, this sense of comfort and security, destroyed the temple, the temple being this place where God was most present with them. And there was this question, we're in the midst of this exile, how do we survive this? How do we come back from this? Is it possible to come back from this? Well, after a few decades, another empire comes in, as they do, Another more uh, powerful empire comes in, the Persian Empire, defeats the Babylonians, and then gives the people of Judah the opportunity to go back to Jerusalem. And if they go back to Jerusalem, they're given this option, you can rebuild the temple. We would actually be excited for you to rebuild the temple, that thing that you had lost before. And there's this open question about whether they will go back, whether they will go back to all of the mess and, and what that that looks like and what that requires of them. And many of them did not. And yet there is within those people, this remnant it's called, there was this select group of people who said, you know what, we realize the task that's before us, we realize the mess that we are going back to, and we want to be meaning makers rather than sit where we're at, and we're willing to engage in this work. And so they went back to Jerusalem and they start to rebuild the temple. And as it gets 
closer to completion, not complete, but as they get to the point where it, it's built up enough, they have a big celebration, and this is what the celebration looked like. When the builders established the Lord's temple, the priests, uh, when the builders established the Lord's temple, the priests ceremonially attired and with their clarions and the Levites, the son of Aspha, with their symbols, stood to praise the Lord according to the instructions left by King David of Israel. With antiphonal response, they sang, praising and glorifying the Lord. For he is good, his loyal love toward Israel is forever. All the people gave a loud shout as they praised the Lord when the temple of the Lord was established. Many of the priests, the Levites and the leaders, older people who had seen with their own eyes the former temple while it was still established, were weeping loudly, and many others raised their voices in a joyous shout. People were unable to tell the difference between the sound of joyous shouting and the sound of people's weeping, for the people were shouting so loudly that the sound was heard a long way off. So here they are. They're back in their home. They're back in their city. They have assembled a temple of some sort. It is there before them in the real world. This is not the, the pristine plastic thing of their dreams or of their memory, uh, but it's there. It is present with them. And so they have some sort of celebration to acknowledge this thing that is before them. And yet those who had been there before knew, they knew what the old thing was like. This new thing had been assembled really quickly. Um, some some uh, sources suggest that it may have been put up in, in less than a year. And so it was not like the thing before it. So as they have this celebration together, there is weeping. There is sorrow from people for the thing that they have lost. And now they've returned and there's still this sense of loss. That is their lived reality. And at the same time, there was joyous celebration, joyous singing. And we're told that both of these things are happening at the very same time. Both of them are going on and there, there's like no distinction between them. Those who are hearing this have no distinction between the weeping and uh, the sorrow and the joy. The sorrow and the joy are at one time a part of the celebration. Both of those things in this experience are valid for all of them. So uh, over the last three weeks, as we've been approaching Christmas, we have gone through this series called uh, Upside Down Christmas. And the idea is that we've been looking at this idea of the incarnation, God becoming human, and all the contradiction of, of what that means. And so uh, we've talked about um, peace and violence. We've talked about hope and despair. And then today we talk about joy and sorrow. Both of those things are present in the world. The idea of Christmas is not that joy simply comes down and it wipes out all sorrow. Uh, it, it simply replaces that sorrowful feeling. Instead, what the story of Ezra, which we just read from, and the story of Jesus suggests is that God comes down into our fullness of humanity, into all of the messiness and what that requires of us, acknowledges the sorrow, and in the midst of the sorrow allows us perhaps to find joy in the process. 
So an upside-down Christmas does not say that Jesus has come down to wipe out all sorrow and replace it with joy. An upside-down Christmas suggests that God has come down in order to lift us up. God has come down in some way in our sorrow, in the midst of our sorrow, acknowledging the reality of it in all of its fullness and saying joy is yet possible. And so if the question of sorrow is, what was I made for? The answer of joy is, I was made for meaning-making even in the midst of this sorrow. I, I hope in this season that you um, are able to embrace that a little bit. And, and if, if so, or even if not, maybe this is the type of community where you can do just that. One of the other things that we say about the Grove, Cottage Grove, that makes us unique is that we are a community of believers and doubters, questioning seekers and curious skeptics who are together coming together in order to grow goodness. So as you arrive here this morning, I, I don't know what you walk into the room with. It, it is possible that seeing the kids up here, being in the, the joyous Christmas season and all that means, you are walking through the world full of joy and anticipation and excitement. It's also possible that you uh, walk into the room this morning and these are flashes of joy that for a moment distract you from the very real sorrow that you are experiencing in your life and that you are seeing in the world. However you arrive this morning, I hope that you hear this. Your feeling is valid. That the joy you are experiencing and the sorrow you are experiencing are valid, they are balanced, they are what it means to be fully human. And if nothing else, I hope that you are able to take away the grace of God that is the miracle that you are simply here. It is a miracle that you have simply shown up. So, uh, we're going to wrap with a song called, What Was I Made For? from Barbie. <laughs> Immediately following the, the scene that I just recounted. And again, I was listening to the song and thinking... This is a Christmas song. Ah, it's not a Christmas song, but we're going to make it one, so...
So